stop the madness, buy a mattress. We need you to buy a mattress. You need something to sleep on. We have something for you to sleep on. We have a mattress. We have bedding. We have something for you to fall asleep in and stay asleep in for a significant period of time. Why, I'm talking about the Is This Tomorrow Mattress. That's the Is This Tomorrow Mattress, available at isthistomorrow.com. Aside from being a decades-long, hilarious webcomic, Is This Tomorrow has branched out into bedding for human beings. Bedding that surpasses the previously tried and failed bedding materials such as pencil shavings, golf balls, or bags of balloons. You're not a squirrel. You can't sleep on pencil shavings. And if you can, are you a squirrel? This is not just an academic question. Are you a squirrel? If so, please contact us. The Is This Tomorrow mattress expands from the size of a matchbook to a full king-size mattress. Advanced polycarbonate materials are employed in the manufacture of our bedding. The Is This Tomorrow mattress should only be opened in a very large enclosed space. While wearing a gas mask, you should probably have a priest present. Under no circumstances should you jump up and down on the mattress. It was manufactured in a jet aircraft factory. But I don't need a king-size mattress. Okay, I hear you, don't yell. All you have to do is cut the king-size mattress down to the size you want. Queen, full, fraternal twin, crib, manger, doll bed, Barbie with no legs, thrift store keychain, or the popular amoeba size bed. The Is This Tomorrow matchbook size jet aircraft factory manufactured mattress which should only be opened in an enclosed space while a priest is present is available at isthistomorrow.com for the very low price of $9.99 no returns or refunds are accepted once again that's is this tomorrow at is this tomorrow.com don't hesitate this is a limited time offer That's Rob Elba. And this is, we're doing a rare early morning Man. edition. <laughs> it is 9.39 a.m. We're drinking coffee. In Sunrise, Florida. Yeah. First time at my place. First time. We did uh, an early, early episode. What was the other one we did early? It was, it, it was, um, 
uh, around noon, though. That was around that noon. That was donuts. Donut. That was donut. the donut episode. That's all. I, I don't remember the band, but I remember we ate donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were good. Yeah. So, but this was bagels and cream cheese. It was a really good bagel. We had so. some bagels and cream cheese. We got some coffee. And we're, and we're doing one of the greatest albums in rock history. One of the greatest. Yeah. This we, is we like decided. top. This is like in the top 10. I mean, the, oh, the, the, the longer history progresses, the greater this album rises in I stature. I think so. Every time I revisit it and get through it, which it's, it's a it's a, it's a a massive thing to get through because it it's basically between 43 and 45 songs, depending <laughs> on which version. Yeah. What are we talking about there? We're talking about Double Nickels on the Dime by the Minutemen from San Pedro, California. Came out in 1984. Came out in early 1984. Recorded in late 83. And um, it is... Uh, it's just like they, they, it's their creative peak, and I don't think they would argue with that one bit. No, and it's a record like I feel like just about anyone could like this record because it's like, what are you into? Are you into punk rock? Are you into funk? Are you into country? Are you into jazz? But but that's not but that's not what happens because there is the price of entrance into the Minutemen is that they're very there's an angularness yes. and there's oh, yeah, yeah. a minimalism that's at work. There's an uncompromising minimalism that's at work. Right. And so some of our friends, I won't call anybody out, but someone, you know, you try to turn them on to the Minutemen, and they're like, yeah, you know, it was really, it's really just... They, would, they wouldn't get past that. They it's wouldn't get past like, that. Yeah. It's like three guys, and a lot of times it's guitar, bass, drums, vocals, and no, not, oh, maybe there's an overdub. Right, no overdubs. Maybe but not. Three, but three excellent play, musicians, too. Absolutely stunning Each one, uh, yeah, yeah, a master yeah. at, at George Curley, probably just over-the-top, fantastic drummer. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of drummers, a lot of drummer friends of mine have mentioned him as a big influence to them. Yeah, because he plays stuff that was, um, he's, if they had had any, if they had another drummer, it would not have been the Minutemen. It would right, have been some right. other thing. Yeah, Because yeah. he's able to fill in a lot of spaces where there was, where the guitar, which is a Telecaster to a Fender amp, and just the bass, are 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 you know doing something that's uh, um, there you know there's just a lot of there's a lot of space I think it comes up in the lyrics as well um, the space major right oh yeah yeah <laughs> right yeah and, and he does he manages to not um, to just not just worry about being the timekeeper whatever he's a third uh, full musician in the band 100%. and brings all yeah, these cool yeah. elements but yeah. still has no matter what he's doing no matter how uh, Technical abidi's playing. He's got that swing. He's, he he's, oh yeah, he's he's, he's swinging it. He's funky. He's legitimately funky. Um, and he's the one of the first. Um, they're one of the first rock bands to incorporate funk in a way that was, I think, really convincing. Right. Like right. where you don't go, oh, this is just some bullshit guys. White boy funk. Yeah. Right. Because it's that's, not. Yeah. It's not that. They're no, no, really yeah, are because funky. they they d- dig into it and they commit to it. Uh, like you said, uncompromising is a good word for them uh, for how they were. They were formed. All right, in San Pedro in 1980. Right. Formed, and they were on SST. Right. Which is important because the other band that was on SST, well, tons of bands, but. <laughs> Yeah, but Husker Du right. put out a, a double, double album. record. Yeah, and they yeah. heard about it. And they heard about it, and they were recording they were an album. Recording. They recorded with uh, they recorded with this guy named Ethan James. They had been recording with Spot, right. uh, who was the sort of SST house producer. And then they met this guy Ethan James, who was in Blue Cheer, and he had a studio. And he said, you know, they started recording with him, and um, 
they heard about Huskers doing a double record, so they had finished, I guess they had almost finished the record. Right. And, and they, they went they go, back in huh. and said, oh, we got more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so they went back in and recorded a whole another album's worth of material. Right. And in, in a week. And um, so did you ever get to see the Minutemen live? I never did. I saw a fire hose. Now, we should say the, the, the tragedy of Minutemen is Correct. they only existed for uh, five years, basically. Right. Dee Boone, uh, this album came out in 1984. In 1985, December of 85, he was uh, he was he had a uh, he was he was asleep in the back of a van that his girlfriend was driving. He was he had the flu. Yeah. And his girlfriend and a friend of hers were driving, and uh, there was a, they were like a, on, a, on a road over a ravine. Um, the axle on the van broke, and the van tumbled into the ravine, and he was thrown out of the van and killed instantly. And ironically, it was on I-10, which is referenced in the title of this, Double uh, Nickels on the double Dime. Double Nickels on the Dime. The Dime is 50 I-10. miles, miles an hour on I-10. Now, look, you have to talk real quick about the title. Did you, did you read the story, like, why they called it Double Nickels on the Dime and who, who they were referencing? <laughs> Not exactly. Oh, oh yeah, Sammy Hagar. Sammy <laughs> yeah, right, because he had a song called I Can't Drive 55, and they're like, oh... You know, it's not like you know, they it, thought. They thought uh, saying you can't drive 55 as a, as a protest against the speed limit wasn't isn't really being that no. uh, defiant. <laughs> They're saying. Are they also in the documentary? There's a documentary about them uh, um, that probably. Even if you don't like the Minutemen, you should see this documentary. It's great. It's really entertaining, it's a, and, and, it's, and it's it's a, it's a sad story, but it's an we awesome story. We, we jam Econo, and that that a line from. One of their songs on this album, We Jam Econo, because that's their minimalist, um, no frills. Right. Uh, um, so okay, I, so you asked me, uh, did you see the Minutemen? I, I did, and um, I probably, I, I've told this story, but I'll, I'll tell a brief version of it. My friend Billy Taylor called me up and said, hey man, the Minutemen are playing tonight in Jacksonville. Um, do you want to go? And I said, yeah. So when is this? What year is this? This was, would have been January of... Um, 84. Okay. And we drove up there to um, this club called the Blighted Area, which was it was the last night. This club was an awful concrete center block, concrete block building on Jacksonville Beach with no windows, just holes where the windows should be. And they had a bar in there. And the Minutemen, so we opened for the Minutemen. We said, hey, man, can we, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's can we borrow your equipment and play? And they were like, yeah, sure. So I played D, I played a Watts bass and Billy played D's guitar. And this other guy from Orlando uh, played drums. And then Martin Tamburovich, who was their sound man, he played saxophone and he blew like crazy John Coltrane saxophone over us doing these like funk, you know, funk jams. And uh, so I was looking yesterday, I was like, oh, Martin Tamburovich, yeah, that guy. And <clears throat> I remember looking him up, turns out decades ago on the internet. Oh, Martin Tamburovich, oh, he's dead. He died in 2003. Um, and Ethan James. Oh, what about Ethan James? Oh, he's dead. He died in 2003. So I was like, man, that's kind of a bummer. That is a bummer. It was a bummer. But the Minutemen get up on stage after we uh, finished, you know, screwing did around. Did our thing. Did our thing. Sure. And they said, oh, we got a new album coming out. It drops today. It comes out today on SST Records. Double nickels on the dime. Take that, Huskers. And it's a double album. They told the host, they told the story. Right. And it turns out they played the night before at Flynn's here in Miami. And there's actually... Uh, I know. And I didn't... It's one of my great disappointments that I did not... I don't know what was going on with me in my life then, but I did not go. I was like... I, I think I'd moved... 
up to Boston in 84, so I think I was still down here for that. I don't know, but I didn't. I did not go to that show. Uh, yeah, Susan almost got to see him open for REM. They were opening for REM. I guess the last tour, pretty much, was them opening for REM. Right. And uh, they were going to play in Tallahassee. That gig was booked and everything. And then a hurricane hit. <laughs> uh, damn Florida. And yeah, that that was the end of that. So she didn't get to see them. Either. So I did not, but I did get to see you. Uh, Fire hose. Oh, yeah. After, because after Mike Watt died, I mean, for a while, uh, not Mike Watt, after D. Boone died, Mike Watt sort of said he felt like maybe he wasn't even going to play music anymore. Right, he right, was, right. It, it was his best friend, this guy. Sure. He, he loved this guy. Yeah, because they'd been friends since they were 13. Right, right. And uh, and as a joke, it, it's kind of funny because as a joke, someone told this guy, Ed, Ed from... Ohio, Ed Crawford. yeah, Ed Crawford. That that oh, they're auditioning new guitar players, which but they, they weren't. weren't. <laughs> but he showed up and he played, and they ended up having Pharaohs. And uh, my band, Holy Terrors, we actually opened up for Pharaohs down here at a club called Washington Square, and they were great too. Pharaohs were were a great band, not the same as, as very Minute different. Men. Yeah, very different. Ed, Ed but was still much really much more laid back character than D. D. Was an intense guy. Yeah, yeah right, like, right. He was. Yeah. So the the music, yeah, the the, the, the style changed, but it was still great music. And yeah. they're such good guys. I mean, right? Uh, they're all yeah. They're I got a fire. Guys. I got fire hose stories too, but we'll save those for later. I'm not gonna dump all this. We got it. Yeah, we actually we, we need got a to lot dig to get into through. this record because we got a lot to get through. So you got D Boone vocals, guitar, the late great D Boone. You got Mike Watt. Dennis Boone was his name, but everybody just knew him as D. D. And uh, George Hurley, the drummer and amazing school. drummer. They all graduated in the same from in 1976 from I guess San Pedro High School. Yep. They, they, uh, yeah, they were you know high school buddies. They, he didn't know them though. Uh, he only started playing drums when he was 17. So he'd only been playing drums a year and a half when that's he was in. That's crazy, a right? So you talk about like natural. natural yeah, drum. he's yeah, natural. That's it. Something me and you don't have. Yeah. Um, no, actually, I'm going to dispute that. Yeah, you do. Me, I, I, me, just me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to really work at it to just play and, guitar. Okay, the record opens with the sound of of, of a car. Or a a car, probably coming. a van. Oh yeah, they all had shitty cars. Probably the van that that's pictured <laughs> on the. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the car start, starts, you got Mike Watt's bass, and then we're off. Serious is a heart attack, makes me feel this way. No device to measure, no word can define. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, how can I express, let alone possess? Serious is a heart attack, makes me feel this way. And that's the whole, that's the whole song. Yeah, yeah. And there's a guitar solo, and... Um, there's uh, and they're out, you know. <laughs> and they're out, and that's it. And that's it. That's the genius of, of them and of this record, especially, is that each song is is a is just a little idea. It's just a little exactly. idea yeah. expressed. Yeah. And it's uh, like a po- they're po- It's poetry, basically. They're, right. The, the lyrics are ba- and, and and then musical poetry too, because it's got the, the lyrics or is it like a little poem? I think I've heard it described as a haiku, even though they're not haikus, but but it's, but it's, it's like, like a that. haiku. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, and already the music it's like jammy and loose and um, and I remember when I heard this I'm thinking is this punk like what is this because yeah it's, it's not exactly of, they, they in didn't and of fit itself. into they didn't not only did they not fit into any definable category because they were big um, they liked the Bloister Cult a lot they were yes, big fans yeah. <laughs> with Richard Meltzer who was uh, wrote lyrics for the Bloister Cult. Um, and the I think they were Floyd fans, Pink Floyd, because I did read something that, yeah, sure. that the way they originally the album was sequenced, they were sort of going uh, on the long, along the lines of 
Humaguma, where each it was four. Uh, well, there's four, four different sides. sides. Four different there's sides. Side, and each side. W- which side is first? Is it D or or Mike first? I think D Boone. Yeah. So originally in the original record, they said, "All right, each guy is going to get to sequence the side, like right. just sort of decide what song's on there." And then the the last one, the fourth side, they called Chafe, which was just like a, chaff. A chaff, chaff, or chaff, chaff. Chaff is what the sh- is the shit they throw out of. Um, it is pronounced chaff, air, right? Oh, chaff. So bad, I mispronounce right. everything. I'll take it out. I'll fix it in the editing. <laughs> The chaff is what they threw out of airplanes to, uh, it's like tinfoil to confuse radar. So oh, it's really? like, yeah. So <laughs> chaff is that. like, um, is like, you know, to confuse, it's like the stuff that's like extra right. and just stuff you pitch out. Um, and that's kind of how side four is. It's got some right. great stuff and it's got some weird stuff. But I read something really funny Mike Wattis said about George Hurley. Like, like they, like when uh, uh, D Boone did his side, he put in, you know, songs by everyone Mike Watt songs and Mike Watt Boone. George Hurley put mostly songs that he wrote. Or oh, yeah, involved sure. In. <laughs> well, but the drummer, you gotta side. figure, um, you gotta figure you're the drummer. Classic you, drummer. Yeah, but <laughs> you, you watch that guy play. Yeah, and, no, 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 I know. I and, know. uh, so these, so this is White Boy Funk, uh, and then the second song, uh, Theater, Theater is the Life, Life of, of You, is the and that's when it kicks one. in. Uh, yeah. You know, um, as a revolution cries, the time is near. I can feel my bones. I can see with my eyes. Can't avoid it. Can't, can't agree. agree. Um, senses loose in knots. My logic is my style, and that's definitely that's a wor- that's a phrase that's makes sense for them my logic is my style can't avoid it must make a stand when a minute they're always taking a stand you right know? right um, and D was more political D, um, yeah much more D had little political ideas and stuff Mike Watt was more existential yeah exactly um, yeah. stream of consciousness yep uh, poetry but but it, it's really great how it works together through the record I mean because you get it would be too if it was all just a D Boone political right. heavy handed songs yeah. it wouldn't be the same as it yeah. is when you throw in the little uh, so I, I got pitched my second Minutemen story here um, I, Belly Taylor figures in Got to have him on the show sometime. Yeah, when are we going to have Billy Taylor? He's got to come like back. He's got some theater. stuff. Is he, he is alive, right? He's alive. He's, okay. he's living in Athens now, working at a bar. And uh, so I had bought... Billy had turned me on to the Minutemen. He played me uh, Buzzer Howl under the influence of Heat, which is the record that came out before Double Nickels. And it's an EP. They recorded it live in the studio. It's absolutely fantastic. It's like six songs. It is. It's like, it's like 15 minutes long, and you're like... There's an entire album's worth of ideas in there. Right, yeah. Um, into 15 minutes. So I went out and I got um, What Makes a Man Star Fires, which is a record that came out before Buzzer Howl, and I think um, it, was their, it was their first really full-length record. It's got right. a brown cover. It's got a Raymond Pettibone uh, drawing on the cover, typical SST. So I was over at Billy's house listening to it uh, one afternoon, and he was out somewhere. He was doing something, and this is a very this is a very uh, Central Florida story. So some guy comes and knocks on the door and goes, "Hey man, uh, is Billy home?" I was like, "No, you know he's off doing something. I don't know what he, he'll be back in a little while." He goes, "Oh, you know I wanted to I want to get some weed. Does, do you think he has any weed?" I was like, "No, I, I think he's out. You know I don't think he has any weed." So the guy leaves. <laughs> And so Billy comes home, and I say, hey, this guy came over, and he said he wanted to buy some weed, and I said, I thought you were out. He goes, man, that dude is a narc. I can't believe you told him that I didn't have anything about weed or blah, blah. And he, would, he went on, and he would That's not funny. shut up, and ranting and raving. Like the narc didn't already know that he had weed. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he needed so, you to confirm it yeah, for him. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I got so mad. 
I picked up the Minutemen record off of the turntable and I threw it at Billy, threw it at his head. Really? It, wow. Across the I've room. I've never seen that kind of progression from And me. it smashed against the wall. And so What Makes a Man Start Fires, that, that was how my, my first uh, purchase Minutemen record ended up was in shattered pieces on the wall oh, trying to make Billy wow. Taylor shut up. <laughs> I hope. You know what? My, my new goal now is to make you so mad that you pick <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have records around here anymore. What do we have? You'd have to nah, pick up your nah. drink and throw it out. I haven't thrown anything at anybody in a long time. All right, so song three, we got Vietnam. This is how punk rockers is a band in 1984 writing a song Vietnam. about Vietnam. And That's literally right. a song about Vietnam. Yeah. Well, because wasn't didn't D's, didn't he have a brother that was killed in Vietnam, I think? Or didn't he have, there was some, he has a direct connection to Vietnam somehow, I Oh, think. okay. Yeah, because it's a straight up, you know, sort of a condensed picture of the uh, futility of war. Right. And it says, uh, let's say I got a number, that number is uh, 50,000. That's 10% of 500,000. So basically what he's referencing is that 10% of the soldiers that were sent to Vietnam, about 500,000, 10% of them died, 50,000. So that's yep. pretty heavy shit. Yep. Uh, yeah, here we Executive are. Executive order. <laughs> Congressional decision. The working masses are manipulated. Another Minutemen theme, heavy Minutemen theme right there is how politicians control the minds right, of right, right. the populace with, you know, bullshit. So kind of so uh, kind of hippie-ish, kind of like modern hippie, uh, yeah, hippie yeah, yeah, sensibility. Yeah, for, for sure. sure right? But with a, a little more aggro, definitely an aggro yeah, edge yeah, yeah. Yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. No one domino, no one not, domino. Not one domino. Sh- the, the, for the not one, kids yeah. listening, who there's not any kids listening, but the domino <laughs> theory was that if you let one country fall to communism, all the other countries right. around it will fall. Right. So you have to, that was how we technically ended up uh, 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 in Vietnam. Bastards. All right, now we get a beautiful, and, and I really love, especially how the first uh, the first two sides are sequenced. The sequencing of them is The sequencing really of this whole record is actually, once you get used to hearing this record, you're used to, you You're know, used to what song's coming next, because the songs are short. Most, all these songs are under two minutes yeah, long. They're yeah. most, the average is probably about a minute and a half, a song. Yeah. And yeah, and so this uh, cohesion is a beautiful uh, flamingo style, I would say. Yeah, flamingo. it's like flamingo style guitar thing, legit like uh, flamingo guitar playing from and, D Boone. Uh, beautiful, really pretty. Great guitar player. And then it goes right into It's Expected I'm Gone, <laughs> which is a Mike Watt song. Yeah. And uh, here's Watt saying, I don't want to hurt. See, my position was here. I mean, it, as it was, now D's singing it, as it was, I, I was. was. So this led to the downfall of man. <laughs> I can make seconds feel hours. Last yeah, line is, big fucking shit right now, man. Yeah, and the good. way they say it and the way everything is expressed is beautiful. It's perfect. And... Um, and this song is kind of like an epic for the record because it's over two minutes. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so this is one of the yeah. epics. And this this very, is this jazz? Is this song kind of jazz? Because if it is, I like jazz um, because I like this song. Okay, what the, the jazzy thing about the Minutemen would be the chords because D will play some chords and, and Dimin- Michael plays Are they some, diminished or what are they? Yeah, but they, I know. some ninth chords. I know the sound. I know the sound of them. It's, they're not traditional bar uh, chords. And they're ninth chords, okay. which is a blues jazz thing. And um, they will play whatever they need to get their point across, basically. Right. So it could be countryish, it could be uh, punk rock, or it right. could be jazzy, or um, yeah, avant jazz kind of uh, stuff. Which George Hurley is a big, uh, also a big help with all that too. It, with, exactly, because he's able to, he's able to. Um, he could rock out, and then he could have this light touch on the cymbals when he plays his cymbals and does. And he plays he plays drum beats that are recognizable. So, 
first time I saw Firehose was in uh, was in eighty. Oh, 86. They did this tour where they were opening for Sonic Youth called the um, Flaming Telepest Tour, and they played in Jacksonville. And so Firehose starts playing, and they start playing this Minutemen song that's on this album, and there's this really recognizable drum beat on it. And I know how it, it's one of the few things I know how to play on drums. And I started playing along with it, and George Hurley looked me right in the eye, and he was like, shook his head. He was like, yeah, I know. You got it. You got it. And this is a cool drum beat, and it's mine. <laughs> All right, so we get to number one hit song, oh. and and this is basically mocking the idea of a hit. Yes, uh, but the lyric—it's so funny because I swear <laughs> to God, who wrote this one? This is—is is this Mike? Well, this is credited to uh, to Boone and and Hurley. So who knows? Okay, what, all right. George Hurley contributed, but this right. is a this is a Boone song. But uh, My, uh, yep, yeah. On the back, Rob of the is wing- dismissive of George Hurley's <laughs> lyrical. I'm just uh, dismissive of drummers. I'm yeah. just dismissive of drummers. I can't help it. It's my uh, bias. Yeah, yeah. On the, I love drummers, but I'm dismissive of them. <laughs> on, on the back of a winged horse, through the sky, pearly gray, love is leaf light. You and me, baby. You and me, baby. Twinkle, twinkle, blah, 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 blah etc. I feel like Taylor Swift could sing these words and yeah. put music to it and yeah. make it a hit. I think maybe, right? Um, through the sky, yeah. They're, <laughs> and they're playing this like jazzy sort of background yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But totally like, yeah, totally mocking the whole idea of like, but it's still a great song you still go oh you know exactly how it sounds and there's no filler man all killer yeah but this next song which is i love this song two beads at the end but i have no idea what what this song is about this is also a uh a boone hurley it's contributed it's attributed to boone and hurley okay this is someone who's under pressure because i sorted this one out caught by a camera taking at shutter speed so it's like somebody you grabbed like a frame like you're caught in the frame right my neck's in a knot two beads at the end so your neck's in a knot it means there's a noose is around your neck two beads at the end your eyeballs are, are right there two beads at the end bolt cutters close you, so you know you know what bolt cutters look like that like how they they can chop through steel right, right, right. my head rolls again so he's, it's like his head's cut off trapped in your snare voices like a snare like a trap voices fly at me somebody's yelling at him right. snap like a tiger strikes like a snake feel like a poker in someone's fireplace so he's he's heated up because he's stuck in somebody else's fire right right so yeah. you know he's just uh he's he's uh, tense he's uh, under pressure okay uh, and did you notice uh, at the end of this the uh, keith uh, levine riffage he's doing that riff that you're right yes yeah, yeah i did not i did not make that connection but yeah the pil thing yeah yeah definitely Who, that, that song that influenced Everybody, it did, and it obviously it influenced D Boone a little because that's definitely from that. Yeah, and, and then great. the title of the next song is so uh, awesome. Do you want new wave or do you want the truth? <laughs> because new wave was the thing. Like, oh, it's not punk rock. Yeah, it's new wave. And so um, this, is, this is a Watt song, and this is a um, this this song is a sta- among all the great songs on it. This is one of the standouts. It There's is some standouts, and this is this song. Um, Oh, it always makes me think, and and uh, right. just because uh, yeah, because what he's presenting, you know. Oh, go ahead. Do you do, a word war, a word war will set off the keg. A word war will set off the keg. My words are war. Should a word have two meanings? What the fuck for? <laughs> Should words serve the truth? I stand for language. I speak for truth. I shout for history. 
I am a cesspool for all the shit to run down in. So <laughs> it's great. The words they perfectly describe the title of the song. It's yes. like, what do you want? Do you just want the <laughs> shitty new wave music, or, or do you, you want, want the, the truth? truth? Yeah. And can you handle? Can you handle can the you, truth? That's exactly what they're presenting. We can clearly. And they, they, you know, in the documentary, they talk about, um, you know, they're interviewing Watt, and he he was, I think, at the first when they're interviewing him in the documentary on the couch, he was a wreck. He um, had been through some some health issues and he almost died and so they're interviewing him he's talking about he says you know nobody got nobody under he feels like nobody understood the Minutemen like where they were coming from or their 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 perspective or what they were trying to present so he was very but I think I do. I mean, I think that I think you we do. do. We all appreciate Joe, but maybe not. Maybe they feel like not to what exactly was in his head. No one, no one right. can understand that. They, What's they going were on? A, right. They were a unit, and they were. Um, there's the lyric on here that says, "You know, we were fucking corn dogs. Go to drink and pogo." Yeah, yeah. They, right, right. They right. were outsiders in an outsider scene. Right. So exactly. Exactly. They didn't. Yeah. Out, they were outsiders to everyone. To everyone. Right. Which they is part in, of their. Which is part of their greatness. It, it absolutely. And for some reason, they they do now. They include a live uh, CCR cover, Creedence Clearwater Revival cover. Don't look now. Really? Yeah, that's ne- that's next on the on the song list that you gave me that you sent me, and I said, "All right, send me the list of songs as uh, we're doing it." Number maybe nine I wasn't is "Don't it. Look Now." Yes, that's the live CCR cover. Okay. <laughs> you said you gotta you gotta spare. You can't be. Uh... Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. They didn't. Uh, yes, that, that is next. Sorry, my bad. I, I can hear it in my head. But I didn't. I didn't load the lyrics up. Um, no, no. You, you, and they were CCR fans. CCR. Oh, of course they were. You could tell this is not done with irony or anything. No, this is definitely a straight up CCR cover. Yeah. Which you could see them being fans of CCR for yeah, sure. Definitely. I'm going to edit out that fuck up. So don't worry. That's about all right. And uh, now we get number ten. We got shit <laughs> from shit, <laughs> shit from an old notebook, which is great. And this is a uh, Boone and Watt. Uh, credited to both of them. Yeah. And this this song perfectly encapsulates Minutemen totally because this it's, is it. It's lyrically intellectual and the music is. Aggressive, but yep. still like really intricate and cool. And uh, the message is dead on, and the, the message is still the same. You go on, you're watching, you know, you, yeah. you're watching the news, and then some stupid ass commercial comes on, and you go, "Oh, it's here comes the car. Here, here comes the car. It's going to sell you." Let save the product, let the product sell themselves. Fuck advertising, commercial psychology, psychological <laughs> methods to sell should, should be, be destroyed, destroyed because of their own blind involvement in their, in their own, own conditioned minds. minds. The unit bonded together. Morals, ideals, awareness, progress. So he goes from the negative to the positive right. and let, let yourself, yourself be heard. heard. Um, Which is that? That's what they were all about. They were all about just, just get, just whatever shit they had inside that they wanted to express. They expressed it was going to come out. It, it was going to come out, right? Yep. And it's so great. So we're so glad it did. Uh, and now we get Nature Without Nature Man. Nature Without Man. Which this was written, uh, Boone wrote this with Chuck Dukowski. Right, from Black, the Black Flag. Flag. And uh, this has got a really cool riff at the beginning of it, and then this song just moves. And I'm thinking probably uh, Dukowski great maybe. Ba- great bass with playing. The, yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah. The, you know, the lock, the rhythm section. Watt and Hurley just locked together in this telepathic. You know, oh yeah, bang. yeah. So, they're just so much, yeah. They're like the it's like a James Brown rhythm section with some crazy avant jazz guitar player singer right in front, right, right. And, 
You know, but so suddenly, that, that's, that's yeah, part they, of it. They lock into these grooves, but it's not like grooves, not traditional grooves. No, but, um, but they're still grooves. And here they mention the Pied Piper in this song. Right? Uh, yeah, the Pied the, Piper, the heart and the mind. The, mm-hmm. Nature without man, nature without man, nature without man. Nature, and he changes up the phrasing. Right, without um, man. The boundary, the border of right and wrong. The tariff is self. The freedom of feeling the criminal. And just these are just feelings, you know. This is just uh, how you feel inside, and whatever right. thoughts are coming up. And he's not; it's unfiltered. They're not filtering this through any sort of um, need to be commercial, but it's still appealing, right? And now we get to one reporter's opinion, which this is hysterical because this was written by Mike Watt, and it's basically a, a, about Mike Watt, and he's sort of making fun of Mike Watt, he's yeah. making fun of himself. So uh, what could be, what can be romantic to Mike Watt? This is probably maybe an interview, maybe a reporter, maybe an interviewer asked him this. What could be romantic to Mike Watt? He's only a skeleton. His body is a series of points. No height. <laughs> no height, length, or width in his joints. He feels life his strongest connection. Between the yelling and the sleep. That's my favorite line uh, yeah, on the whole the, album. Between the yelling and the sleep. That's his whole day. Yeah, yelling and, and sleep. sleep. Pain is the, <laughs> the toughest. toughest riddle. He's chalk. He's a dartboard. His sex is disease. He's, He's a, a stop, stop sign. sign. <laughs> and he also, and, uh, he also uh, covered his own song. He covered it on his first solo record on Ball Hog and Tugboat. He's yeah, got like yeah. a different version yep, of this yep. same song. Yeah. One reporter's opinion. <laughs> and now we get a political... Some of these songs are just just the titles alone perfect. are yeah. perfect. Political, political song, song from Michael Jackson. And this is... <laughs> I can't even remember. Is this before Thriller? This or this is around. I'm trying to think. 84, 83. When was Thriller? But they. It's around this time. So right. Michael Jackson was. He was already a huge pop star. <laughs> but they always already saw him obviously as like. Oh. Yeah, know. yeah. And and this is funny. Mike. He he penned it. It's basically like Train of Thought style, and it and it kind of mocks a, a punk bands who express sensationalistic political statements without yeah. necessarily understanding Correct. the 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 logic behind them right it also contains that famous line the punchline at the end of the first verse I must, must look, look like, like a, a dork. dork. Yeah, 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 right. Which, uh, do you know where they got that from, actually? They uh-huh. lifted it. I found a reference. All right, the line, I must look like a dork, was lifted from an interview with Iggy Pop in Cream Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, out to there. Iggy. You're welcome on the show anytime. Yeah, you want to explain that? Yes, Iggy, please. And uh, Mike and, Watt. Um, and there's some, yeah, the, to the um, dream. It's, I think there's some dream imagery in here, like shit from where you in a dream. Me naked with textbook poems about <laughs> fountains against the Nazis with weird kinds of sex symbols right, and speeches right. that are big dance thumps. If we heard mortar shells, we'd cuss more in our songs and cut down the guitar solos. And then what happens the, the, right the after that? The fucking guitar solo. <laughs> yeah, right? a, a, cheesy, a, a purposely a little cheesy guitar uh, yes, solo. Exactly. Because yeah. he's, he's, he's making the point, you know, yeah, yeah. ha, ha, ha. Great, yeah, great song. <laughs> and I don't think this song was ever submitted to Michael Jackson to... Uh, uh, I'm going to say no. But I, I will, I just want to say real quick, I just, just, uh, just coincidentally, I read recently, someone we know was talking, because this whole thing came out with Michael Jackson, that documentary's out yeah, now, right. Neverland. Leave Better Neverland. just not, yeah, right. But yeah. 
but someone who we know said that someone used to work at Disney as one of those animal characters. Yeah. And Michael Jackson used to come, they used to let him into the park earlier right, so yeah, he could see. like dance with the characters. And that this, no, this is nothing salacious or anything, but the character. Yeah, like, but it's still fucking po- creepy, crazy point, and creepy. He took Michael Jackson aside and he took his his head off and he took Michael and tried to sell him one of his songs. And Michael Jackson was appalled. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not he, down with he that. He wanted no you part of make, that. You got to take your shot, maybe. <laughs> right. You got to take your shot. So. Uh, and then the next song is uh, maybe poign- very poignant. <laughs> maybe parting will help. As I look over this beautiful land, I can't help but realize that I am alone. Why am I able to waste my energy to notice life being so beautiful? What are the people who don't have what I ain't got? Are they victims of my leisure? To fail is to be a victim. To be a victim of my choice. Maybe partying. That's, it's, a, oh, that's awesome because yeah, it's like people say, "Oh man, I'm, I'm fucked up. I don't know what to do." And then, and then, what do they maybe move to? party? They move to, yeah, well, maybe I'll just go out and have yeah, some drinks. Yeah, let's drug. just go to the bar, dude. Yeah. And this song uh, is very uh, Gang of Four sounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though like, yeah. they do a lot of funk stuff, but not necessarily right. Uh, this like is where, but yeah. this is you can you hear can a little hear bit the of that. And the oh, Gang yeah, of Four definitely inform them why well they talk about wire of course pink flag with its short songs right yeah, and yeah. there's an interview with uh i think colin newman in the documentary where he talks about you know he think you know the minutemen having heard you know pink flag and being like oh we can oh we could we don't have to do any of that exactly shit, right which yeah, is kind of yeah. how pink flag is it's like eh, fuck you we'll do what we're gonna do it this way yeah if the song's only but, gonna be one minute then fuck it it's gonna be one that's minute. right there's only one chord there's one chord that's how go. it goes right exactly uh, so song number 15 We have Toadies <laughs> And this is a Mike's, uh, Mike Watts song And a, a toady is one who uh, Is one who flatters In the hope of gaining sucks favors a, yeah, a single fan Yeah that's right A brown nose And that's what kisser. this song is about Yeah number 7 <laughs> Number 7 On the chump on the list, chump list <laughs> Playing stooge Eating <laughs> shit uh, And then using that As a reason for kicking shit All the dumb fucks we are cuss words, nearly illiterate, dedicated to fighting toadies. So he's br- he's bringing it back to their manifesto. Yep, yep. Yeah. And, and specifically, I read an interview. He said he wrote it after reading the memoirs of Dmitry Shastavovic. Dmitry Shostakovich, the classical, the classical, yeah, who was amazing. He was a composer, yeah. He used to hide shit in his songs because he knew he would get in trouble and he would hide stuff that was satirical that they couldn't figure out. So Watt said uh, that he he would surround himself with uh, toadies. Um, He said uh, the idea of toadies being all around the scene, he said it's a human. He said it's a human trait. This uh, this dick is not the boss, but he's a little bit above you. Right. So let's kiss his ass. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, um, and just uh, anyone, if you want to hear some amazing classical music uh, played on piano, Dmitry Shostakovich, Preludes and Fugues will change your life. I'm so proud of you just being, to pronounce that right. I'm so so jealous of you. (laughs) I have to thank prog rock uh, uh, professional Sid Smith for turning me on to Dmitry Shostakovich. Oh, okay, nice. And there is some prog, there's prog definitely in your your DNA also, right? Yeah, there is. There's no way that you get away from the fact that... This music is intricate in a way that it's played very aggressively, right. but some of the stuff is, you know, yes, King Crimson and, uh, you know, yes. or, whoever else. Or jazzy, like this next song's got this jazzy, quiet opening uh, retreat. This is retreat, and then after the jazzy opening, it goes into thunder, and uh, real things conditioning will lose their meaning. 
The toilet starts flushing. <laughs> <laughs> Sets me off again. But I am a bah, 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 bah. And yep. then it kicks into uh, um, just a, a wild um, sort of thrashing yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. thing. The coughs, a thunderclap. My head's a tape recorder. Um, <laughs> so that's it. Poetry, so that's man. Him. Yeah, but, but, but think of that. The cough's a thundercat. My head's a tape recorder. So his head's, he's sort of recording everything that's yep. going on around that's him. That, everything is yeah, picking he's it up. He's recording it to be spit out in whatever way they end up doing but it. I, but, but I am a thorn. I read it in your face. So he's going <laughs> to, like, get, they, you know. That's good. They're not gonna. They're not gonna give up. They're not gonna back off. Okay, I read something really interesting about this uh, next song, the the big, the voice. big voice, which is a Mike Watt song. Uh, and this is. Uh, did you? Uh, all right, think about the song, how it is, and how he sings it, how Boone mm-hmm. sings it. A, a richer understanding right, of what's right, already right, understood. Right, right. Mike Watt told Boone to sing this like a Jello Biafra. Oh, shit. <laughs> and once you know that, oh, you listen man. to it, you hear yeah. exactly he's doing it. It's your understanding. Yeah, exactly. What's already understood. Yeah, exactly. No means from the here and now. And Jello gets interviewed in the uh, in the uh, documentary as well. With Jan Meccano, yeah. And, yeah. They and they didn't do it to make, uh, as a diss to him, make fun of him, but just sort of as a sound. They, they, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. thought it would right. fit. He thought it would fit this what song really good. What gift could be a work of art? Can you call it the big foist? I'm fucking overwhelmed. I love it. I'm so glad once you, you told know, me that. Oh yeah, yeah once you know yeah, that you listen to it, it's so like, sense. oh god, it makes so much sense. All right, now this next one is really interesting. Song God to- bows god to math. God, god bows to math. Very weird lyrics. Weird. And now, now what wrote was, this with Jack Brewer from uh, Sacrament Trust. Trust? That makes total sense. Yeah, Sacrament Trust was like the version of the Minutemen that was a bridge too far for most people. Like so, Sacrament <laughs> Trust is like. If you take the weirdness of the Minutemen and just turn the knobs up a lot, so that the poetry is 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 there's the melodies are just like shouted poetry. Abrasive, it, it's, abrasive. it's more abrasive. It yeah. But Watt did play with um, Sacred Trust on uh, um, probably their best album, in my opinion, is called Surviving You Always, right. which you can't fucking get on CD. The reason is they used a photo. There's a famous photo of a woman who jumped off of the Empire State Building and landed on her back on a car. And there's her cr- crushed the, this car, and there's a photo of it. And they used that on the cover, but it was a copyrighted photo. So they can, like that record, you... All their other records are on CD. Oh, Surviving You Always, okay, you got to okay. go on YouTube and be like, uh, somebody ripped it from vinyl. Right. Watt plays based on that record. Awesome record. But it's like Minutemen with the weirdness and the abrasiveness and right. cranked way up. Now this, and this song's got a tricky, it's called God Bows to Map. It's got a tricky <laughs> math-like beat. All yeah. right, but now the lyrics. All right, it says, In the tombs of Enoch, in the queen's chamber, she lived guarding the holy cubit. God-given accuracy, measuring untold prophecies, how she loved that sacred image. So, in the old days, like, if you had the standard for what a measurement was, that was very powerful. It was, and this, but this actually, they're specifically referencing of something from the Bible here in this song, and I found the reference. Cool. All right. Uh, the Bible, that... Can you? What is that you're talking about? <laughs> in two Chronicles four four two, all right. They say also he made the cast metal sea ten cubits from the brim to brim, circular in form, and its height was five cubits and its circumference thirty cubits. All right. So this passage and another one from from King seven twenty three has been the source of like historical controversy in in the biblical historical controversy because it suggests the impossible an impossible circle because a circle has a diameter of 
10 cubits, it would actually be 31, 42 right, cubits around, right. more than 30. So only, uh, only a truly devoted biblical literalist would claim that uh-huh. this passage actually it's implies it's that it's pi equals 3. Right. So a- any religious person with common sense would admit that God bows to math. Right, this, the math is instance. superior yes. to God. <laughs> in a sense, exactly. admitting go. that math is more pure than God. Yeah, yeah. Well. We're gonna we're gonna go over to the Orthodox shul later. We're gonna ask him about this. Now they're yes. gonna say no pi is three. Uh, I don't right. give a shit what you say. And now we get uh, get out of here. We get into a little lighter fare, although not really what what the lyrics about. But uh, Corona, like you can't oh. you can't hear this song without thinking of Jackass. Now because this is it was the, the theme Jackass from Jackass. Thing. It's a theme from Jackass. It's a boon which song. I do not begrudge them going the lengths that they went to the uncompromising lengths no, that those guys yeah, went no, to. No. They they own this. And for plus sure. they had no idea, I'm sure at the beginning, that Jackass would become such a huge oh. thing. They said, oh, what a show about these idiots abusing right, right, themselves? Right, right, right. Blowing up, yeah. right, they're going to put up rockets on a portalette or whatever. They yeah. had no idea. But this actually has words and this, he wrote this, uh, Boone wrote this following a trip to Mexico yeah. on Independence Day in 1982. Yeah. The, uh, a disheartening trip to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is more than um, actually appears the first song on Buzzer Howl uh, um is Burnout Wreck, Spotted on a Beach, Symbol for My Life. And that's the Burnout Wreck, Spotted on a Beach. That was that same trip to Mexico right. where he, um, you know, he just was like, it was very eye-opening for him. Yeah, yeah. And, and this song, yeah, so they wrote, um, uh, they saw this uh, Mexican lady, they, they woke up on the beach and they saw a Mexican lady collecting their empty beer bottles. Yep. Uh, which she could return, return for, for a, a little five cash. five-cent yeah. deposit. Um, and so pe- the, he was moved by that. So yeah. he wrote this song about uh, for the Mexican people living in poverty, and it's the, a really, it's a really great. The people song. will survive in their environment. The dirt, scarcity, and the emptiness of our South, which is fucking south of L.A., is that right. Mexico? Right, right. The injustice of our greed, the practice we inherit, the dirt, scarcity, and the emptiness of our South. There on the beach, I could see it in her eyes. I only had a Corona. Five cent deposit, and he yep. sees everything about how our relationship with this country is totally, you know, exploitative. Right, right. And and we're the shitheads in the deal. <laughs> yep. And I have something. I have no. I have nothing to back this up on. It's just an idea I have. But I imagine at some point an executive at Corona heard the song and gave, "Hey, maybe." We, but then they read the lyrics and they're no. like, "No, <laughs> right?" Don't you think? They never that- stopped anybody before. <laughs> the fucking Nissan used. Uh, um, a Hendrix song with like, oh, uh, which Hendrix song did Nissan use? And they got this... Um, well, the lyrics not uh, appropriate um, to the thing they were trying to freedom, sell. Freedom. The fucking Hendrix song, Freedom, which is about how he's totally trapped by the society and by the <laughs> expectations of the people around him. And yeah, we they... to sell some cars. Oh, we got to sell some got this. They got this fucking Nissan climbing the mountain. I'm like, he, Jimi Hendrix is fucking rolling in his grave. All right, so let's take. We're going to end this first half with. Uh, well, let's do one more. The glory of man, which the is gl- one of the uh, longest uh, songs on the record, also, at almost at almost three minutes, <laughs> and probably the catchiest song. One of the catchiest yeah, songs on the record. I love this, this song. If you, songs this is a song. It's like okay, even if you don't, you know, the rest of the record, you don't like the minute. Man, the glory of man. The riff is super catchy. It is. It's, it's played, and there's some overdub. There's an overdub guitar. Yeah, yeah, which is rare for this record. Yeah, it it's is. only a, a couple of songs have yep. overdub guitar. Um, and who wrote the lyrics on this one? Is this, this is what? This, this is my what? Okay. okay. You want to... Starting with the affirmation of man, I work myself backwards using cynicism, the time monitor, 
the space measurer. <laughs> I live sweat, but I dream light years. I am the tide, the rise and the fall, the reality soldier, the, the laugh, laugh child, the one of the many, the, the flame child, the time monitor, the space measurer. Yeah, that's good. The way he that's says it, too, he says it with, you know, decent, the space measurer. He says it with this, like, accent, you know, it's like a right. regional accent. And I would never have gotten this on my own, but apparently this this song was inspired by uh, James Joyce and the 1922 novel uh, Ulysses, which apparently uh, Mike Watt is a huge fan of James there Joyce. There you go, man. And this, which James Joyce comes up again later in the record. But this song, uh, he said, uh, Watt saying, that was the big thing in my mind right then. It had a big impact on me. It made me wonder so much about the world. Those days when I wrote the song from that book, it was a big celebration. The glory of man. Now it's more like the glory hole of man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Mike Watts' quote. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, so let's. So these guys that. are. These guys are. Here's the thing about the Minutemen: they're really, really very smart guys. Yes. And you're the 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 stuff they're referencing is not bullshit. No. Um, they're really referencing things that are. Um, Classics of right. and they they reference classics of Western thought, and this album is a classic of Western thought. It is, it is. And my phone's ringing. I have to go answer yeah, it. So let's take a, a break. Day. We'll be back in a minute with uh, that record. Got me high. Double nickels on the dime. That record got me high. Is proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow? That's Is This Tomorrow. Available at isthistomorrow.com. Is This Tomorrow is a weekly web comic cataloging the absurdities taking place at the Azoro News Channel. Characters such as George Kleenex, Weatherman Benjamin Dover, Man on the Scene J.B. Horns, Political Commentator Taffy Tart, Radio Personality Travis Slaughter, Conspiracy Theory Expert J. Elwood Compton III, Paranormalist Murph Davies, Senator Stroller, political apologist Dr. Iggy, Christian ventriloquist Fred Gastro, and his puppet Woody, and the strangely familiar Stocky Bear, in his smelly, itchy costume, will entertain the ever-living shit out of you so that you are doubled up with laughter, collapsed beneath your desk, paralyzed, unable to move. You will be slain comically, but you'll recover. That's Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com. We are back. We're back with That Record Got Me High. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And we're talking about Double Nickels on the Dime by the Minutemen or Minutemen. Uh, yeah, is it the or Minutemen? I, I think it's Minutemen. Okay, yeah. yeah but, another, but if you say the Minutemen, it's okay because yeah, everybody of understands. Of course it is. I uh, just want to mention real quick, we have a, a newest patron, Guillermo Enrique. Is uh, Thank you very much for becoming thank a you, patron. Thank you, Guillermo. 
of That Record Got Me High. Don't forget, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron of us. And Guillermo, also, I know, bought a shirt from Society6. So awesome. You're a, Guillermo's a great fan, and you can go to Society6 and just search for That Record Got Me High. And, and get uh, our, our, our bonus, our bo- not our uh, very boss logo in, yeah. on a shirt. You'll be, you'll be the talk of the town. Your friends will go, what And if you want some, another you product, wearing? if you want like a, you know, a handbag, just hit me up and I'll enable that product on. Yeah, yeah. If you want a beer cozy or whatever. <laughs> they got, believe me, <laughs> they got it. Cozy. Yeah. All right, so we're up to song number 21, and this is a song you could almost, is it a song? It's called Take 5 it's a jam. It's a jam. It's a jam. It's Take like a, 5 Almost like a beach jam, like you're on the beach with some instruments and there were right. some dudes jamming. Probably one of the weirdest songs on the record. Yes, I would say and, so. And the, the, the funny story is that uh, originally Mike Watt had a song and uh, Boone felt the lyrics were too spacey. So Watt agreed to rewrite the song, adding, there ain't nothing, there ain't going to be nothing more real than this. And what did he use, Barry? He used a note that he got from his landlord because he was not supposed to use the shower. Shower. Yeah, about the about not using the shower because it's leaky. Well, I hope <laughs> hope we can rely on you not to use shower. You're not keeping tub call caused both downstairs bath ceilings and walls to so be he's soggy. Laying the bl- of course, he's laying the blame. Landlord's like, oh yeah, it's your fault, asshole. Right. Tub has to be properly caulked prior to using prior to using shower. Walls are drenched. Uh, um, and then says um, he says something like the electrician and the plumber are here. <laughs> Had to pay for two service calls. Water drips all around. Kathy's ceiling, my ceiling, and then it ends. What are the two lines at the end? Don't use shower. Don't use shower. shower. That's awesome. It's and it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. And now we. And the first time we heard this, we just howled. We were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe somebody." Put the landlord yeah, right. note in the, the song. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, now we get to one of the uh, poppiest songs on the record, I feel yeah. like. This song is very poppy for them. It's called My Heart and the Real World. This yeah. is another Mike Watt song. Yeah. And it's kind of new wavy sounding, too. It is, yeah. Um, it's got a more traditional, um, recognizable yeah, yeah. Um, song structure. Right. Um, one of the shortest songs in the record at 106, one yeah. minute six. But it's full of words. It is. Um, Go ahead, do it. And so my soul collapsed into a big guilt wad. Some big thunder log forces me to eat shit. And if I was a word, could my letters number 100 more likely course in guttural, one, sing- one syllable, Anglo-Saxon. I'm a victim of I'm a victim of facts that say I loved a girl, but the world was wrong and I was forced to march in line. But it felt like handcuffs. Machines dis- disregard my pronouns. I am defeated. I am a cool damn clay. <laughs> Fucking poetry. It's, it's just great poetry. It's poetry. Machines disregard my pronouns. <laughs> How great is that? It's so good. And very topical for 2019. It is. And now we get to one of my, oh, probably one of my favorite uh, Minutemen songs ever, History Lesson, part two. Oh, my God. Right? This song. This, another is, this Mike is a Watt heart. This is, this is from, this is absolutely from the heart. It this is, because this song, it's basically, it's a tribute to the late 70s California punk scene. Yep. Uh, they came out of, and the opening line became the title of uh, Michael Azarod's uh, yeah, book, right. uh, Our, Our Band, Band Could, could Be, be your, your Life. life. Uh, so let's do it. Our Band Could Be Your Life. Real real names be proof. Me and Mike Watt played for years. Punk rock changed our lives. We learned punk rock in Hollywood. Drove up from Pedro. We were fucking corn dogs. We'd go drink in Pogo. Mr. Narrator. And here's where he starts name dropping people. This is Bob Dylan yeah. to me. My story could be this song's. I'm his soldier child. 
So he's the soldier child of uh, Bob yeah, Dylan. Bob Dylan, yeah, man. Yeah. Our band is Scientist Rock, but I was E. Bloom. And, From uh, Bloister Cult. Yeah, Eric Bloom, right, yes, which he's right. a huge fan of. I was E. Bloom and Richard Hell, yeah. Joe Strummer and John Doe. John Doe from X. X. Uh, me and Mike Watt playing guitar. And the, and the music behind it is just, you know, it's oh, like it's a really, ballad. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's uh, This song, and it's, it's very... Melancholy has a melancholy feel, but I don't know if it's because uh, of Dee Bloom's death and you know he's dead and he's singing about him and his friends. So I, that it maybe adds to the melancholy. Yeah, I'm sure it does, but yeah. it, it, this it, this song comes on and you're like, oh man. Now, I, don't I was know. E. Bloom, Richard Hell, <laughs> Joe that. Strummer, and John Doe. Like in his mind, those are his heroes. Right, right, he's yeah. He's holding that's who up I was. these heroes and he's imagining himself being those person that we all, you can absolutely identify with that. Now, Barry, I don't know if you know this, but Mike Watt, I found an interview and he said the music in this was influenced by the Velvet Underground song, Here She Comes Now. That makes sense, yeah. It de- oh, definitely. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. So uh, look at him, man. He's, he's just all over the place with all these great musical were, references yeah. to uh, those guys, draw from. These guys were not fucking around. They were totally committed 100%. And, <laughs> and now we get to the first song on on George Hurley's side. And of yeah. course he puts his song, which is basically an instrumental. The, the drummer wrote a song, and uh, shocker, it's kind of just a meandering instrumental. <laughs> I, mean, I love it. Because <laughs> do you? The, I, I do. You this, need the glory. You need the glory. And um, they... You know, this record, as it's sequenced, just fits together as... Because you expect it to be there. Right. And if you hear the album and it's not there, you'd be like, oh, where's that? Where's right, it missing? Right. Where's that? What's yeah. going on? And so what's after? What's next? The roar of the masses could, could be, be farts. farts. <laughs> so a little skepticism about the uh, the uh, elevation of the working class to uh, hero status. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, very, uh, again, very stream of consciousness lyrics, where, yes. for sure. And the music's really frantic on this one. Yep. And it's co. It it it's, it's, uh, says it's co-written by Watt and Vandenberg, which is which is Dirk Vandenberg, who who I guess was a friend of theirs because he gets a co-write on this one and he played guitar on that uh, D uh, take uh, take five, five D. D. Yeah, so yep. he's probably just a friend of theirs or something. Grinding in reversal, out do till done, proper naked self, solution surround, in brightness be it real, blinded and free. Pastel Jim's hit, Perlesque in Flaw. And the way that D. Boone makes this work as a lyric is unreal because, frankly, without a lyric sheet, you would never know what the fuck he right, was saying. Right, exactly. And it, but it's a poem. Uh, it is. And, and also, you, I, you've got to really give it to D. Boone for singing Watt's weird-ass lyrics so Put great. Them in. Exactly. Like, singing the Put fuck them, out Putting of them, them in and, this uh, song, right. Spark of the Instant, Challenging the Time. View the observers plagiarizing hands. Yeah. There's He's a lot. He's it with conviction, and you're thinking, does he even know what it is? But I yeah, don't think it matters. The, it doesn't matter. There's sense here. You just got to sit down with it and figure out what he's talking about. But, uh, um... It's the Minutemen, dude. And now we get hit with back. We're back with Boone's uh, political <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. hardhead West. We're in West Germany now. Well, uh, okay, I got to say, on if you want to hear a song that's not on the record, you can go on. There's a guy that's ripped um, that, from the original vinyl. There's a song called Mr. Robot's Holy Orders that is a, um, it's a cool instrumental, and it's got just 
um, six lines at the end. Um, it's a, it's on the George side. Right, right. The right, lyrics okay. are, uh, Mr. Robot's holy orders are, force-fed, sifted, tin can, pull handle, puppet, pull toys. <laughs> That's it. But, so, worth checking out on YouTube. Uh, awesome. All right. So now we have, oh yeah, West Germany. Now the uh, war. Has it been 40 years? Still a hostage. New kind of fascist. They're, They're in West, West Germany. Germany. All right. So what is he saying with this one? What is he, uh, this song has a killer groove, by the uh, way. He's talking about World War II. Um, is he saying we're, like West- we're the fascist, we're, our presence in Western Europe is purely self-serving. And so, has it been 40 years, you're still a hostage, new kind of fascist there in West Germany. Uh, the people are battlefields. It's the Soviets and the U.S., east and west. The, remember, the wall was still up. The lines right, are drawn. Right, right. How are you to live? Fear of death is so close. Crimes on our heads. Are we ignorant, blind, afraid to swallow our pride? Um, just talking about the, the east-west relationship and the Cold War, which was in full swing in 1984. Right, right. Or 83 when this was written, for sure. Right. And now we get a song that references politics, but it's not really about politics. It's called The Politics of Time. Right. And this is a Mike Watts song, and uh, this has got some crazy speed drumming yep. and guitar playing on this one. But And guitar, yeah, the guitar playing is like, yeah. free jazz guitar playing. Right. Uh, and, and then also this is where the documentary uh, We Jam McConnell comes from in this yep. song. Uh, the Politics of Time, Man's Law, Man Praises Hitler. From the grassroots to the UN, a year a minute, man's setting watches. And now he goes, on off Hitler's, time dictates order. We must be schizo we, to, to buy, buy the bullshit. bullshit. We're time Nazis. We, we strip, strip our, our tunes. tunes. We jam Econo. Makes a stench. Now, they're, he's talking about his band. He's yes. talking about them. We're time Nazis. Because they it's would like, say they were Nazis about yeah about the song like, getting to yep, the point. Yeah. Getting to, yeah well, their early songs. records are even shorter. So, right, right, like, right. you get, like, uh, the punchline, an album, EP. Is it an album, EP? It's like a bunch of songs that's, like, 15 minutes long. <laughs> right. 12 minutes long. So they were self-professed uh, professed Nazis about about song lengths and time signatures yep, and things it. like that. Nope, yeah, yep. which is great because it just shows that they were that they were very uh, they, they wanted to express their music in a certain way and they wanted to be a certain way right. and they were uncompromising. Right, and plus they were part of the hardcore scene where the songs were short and fast. Right, and right, yeah. You know, you're gonna they're getting up on stage somewhere and uh, you yeah, know, yeah, you got uh, 20 minutes. You know, pretty much make it count, make it count. We got 35 songs. Right. All right. So we got a uh, Boone's, uh, D. Boone song now, Themselves. Yeah. Uh, this is a really nice song with uh, nice lyrics. I like the lyrics in this. Um, and it's got a majestic feel. Yes. Um, yes. It's, a dun- it's, got a, it's an E, and it's just this big E chord. Right. Dun- and um, and it's, in, it's in 6 8. So it's got the, it's got the oh, swing okay. feel, it's got the waltz feel. All these men who work the land should evaluate themselves and make a stand. Can't they see beyond the rhetoric, the lies and promises that don't mean shit, and all the men who learn to hate them? They keep themselves hidden away. They keep themselves upon the hill, afraid that they'll have to pay for all the crimes upon their head. And buddy, that is just as uh, probably more yeah. prescient today, you know, 2019, oh, yeah, than it definitely. was in 1983. Um, and all the men who learned to hate them. So we're we're the men that learned to hate them. Right, right, and very yeah. Definitely, D Boone's songs were more earnest and more uh, you know not less so, abstract. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, less yeah. abstract. Yeah, and you could tell definitely. Uh, oh man, could you sometimes? Could you imagine what kind of band? Because I don't think I think uh, Minutemen were a band that would have stayed together. 
They, yeah. I don't think they would have been like Husker Du and like fell apart or anything. I, I, I feel know. like they yeah. would have stayed. Well, I, there was, uh, you know, there was some stories at the end about D Boone wanting, you know, the, well, there's a there's a part in the documentary where they say D Boone, they're they're pissed off at each other and they're in the van and D Boone says. Um, uh, I mean, I'm gonna start my own band, and George touches like touches George on like Georgie, you're you're gonna come with me, right? And then Wag goes, no, Georgie, I'm gonna start my band, and you're gonna come with me. And George says, fuck y'all, I'm starting my own band. That's so, awesome. That's yeah, they great. probably would have stayed together. I think so. Yeah, I think that no, was just no normal. way to know. Yeah, yeah, there's no way. Susan to know. always goes. She always says, um, you know, what would what would what would DB D Boone be doing? You know. Now, right? It's always. I think because they would have put out like a like a five record epic. They would have done like a like a crazy rock <laughs> opera. Know. Who knows what they would have done? You know? Yeah, they didn't have a chance to to, to fuck up basically. Right. Okay, so here's another song that Watt wrote with Jack Brewer being credited to, and this is "Please Don't Be Gentle with Me." <laughs> yeah, and this is really funny. This is like a forty eight. This song is forty eight seconds, yeah. and it's kind of like a, a, a tough love song. It is right, and the music <laughs> right? feels the way the lyrics sound. Yes, just wake up and tug my hair. And let, Let me, me know, know. <laughs> all the outside of the world, and you are there, and never, never be too be gentle, gentle with me. With me. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Uh, all right, now we got nothing indeed, which is Watt and Hurley, and uh, this is ex- very. This is the existential Mike Watt. Yes, um, the, en- the interruption went small snag in life, pothole in the road. It's only a detour, a minor deterrent that can't unload my examination. Parts A to B. There is no cause, no cause at all from my hesitation. No, nothing indeed. And the way the music fits with this is is totally fucking perfect and brilliant. It just it's a it's a um, it's a you know I hate I hate to say this about records because somebody's gonna go ah you're such a pretentious asshole. But this album is a is a is a, is a complete. Self-sustaining work of art. It is. It is. No, we discussed that already. I did when I was like going back when we decided we were going to do this, and I was listening to it again, which you know I would every every sure. couple of years yeah, right. I revisit yeah, sure. it, and I just said, oh my god, I forget how brilliant this whole goddamn record is. Yeah, it's this amazing. was this was a, uh, a pinnacle of. I, it's a pinnacle of the entire alternative rock scene. You know, Huskers, whatever, replacements, whatever, I know. See, fine. the thing is, when they came out, I think I liked, I, I liked Zen Arcade more than this when yeah. it came out. This is probably just too much, too overwhelming for me at it's the just, time. It's, and so, I didn't it's so get dense. To, it's There's so, so dense. much in here. There's so much to unpack in this right. record. But uh, this is definitely has become my favorite. I, I still love Zen Arcade, but this is in... You put this uh, record on, and you're different. like, oh, you got to listen to the whole thing. It's like, yeah. oh, no, yeah, don't stop. I did it several times. Since <laughs> like, yeah, Amazon. Yeah, man. All right, so we get to No Exchange now. And uh, this, I really like the attention in the music in this song. Yeah. It's got the, and it's got that great buildup at the end, which they don't do a lot on this record, uh-huh. but it's got this great frantic buildup. And this, they're saying everything... And it's also got... The, the, um, it's another song that's got a little more... Poppy, catchy, um, bump, 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 yeah, bump, yeah, bump. yeah. It's got a yeah. melody in there. And when more... when that comes in, it sticks out because there, like you said, there's so much angular stuff going on and everything right. like that. Well, that they mentioned get... I should mention um, that they talk about the documentary as well when they discovered Captain Beefheart, someone who uh, we're going to be discussing on the show in April. Um, they discovered Captain Beefheart and they heard these sounds. The angular Telecaster sound is a totally. Um, integral part of is that a, Captain Beefheart's. Okay. I think you know what I think Captain Beefheart is like uh, Susan. I think it gets mentioned on every episode, much like Susan. 
nothing. And there's, if you got a complaint about Captain Beefheart, no, no, well, I don't, don't, don't want to hear about it. I would, I would not. I would not. Uh, all right, there ain't uh, Barry. You know what? There ain't shit on TV tonight. <laughs> Another great song title. There ain't shit on TV tonight. Right when there used There's to be three channels, or three channels yeah. and a bunch of UHF channels. <laughs> Uh, it says, how can I make an outline of myself? Where's the guidelines for the profile and for my country? Sweet, it's got sweet music on this one, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and especially right before the second verse, he hits these nice little chords. How do others see me? Right. I'm worried. I'm worried. <laughs> worried, but I feel guilty. The media robs and betrays us. No, no more, more lies. lies. What's the last line? We are responsible. That's it. So we are responsible. With, so, you know, with freedom comes responsibility, responsibility. right? Right. That's, uh, I think that's what he's saying in this song. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Pickett. Oh, and then we get to it. <laughs> what? <laughs> all right, uh, you may have to edit that out. That's no, all right. Leave it in. Charlie's, no way Charlie's listening this nah, long to this listen thing. Listen no, he doesn't give a shit about Minutemen. All right. Uh, this Ain't No Picnic. Another, this is another oh, classic Minutemen song. This, this is, is a deep. blue collar, and this is a blue collar like anthem. anthem. It right? is, this should be played, they should, right, this should be played at like, uh, you know, right. um, football games. People should raise their, <laughs> this you know. Ain't no, right. He was working in an auto parts store, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, and there's a, there's a famous, there's a, um, a cartoon on the gatefold of the record that were in D and there's a it shows D sitting down with his lunchbox and it says eat, eat your lunch at noon you understand like like telling D you, you have to eat your lunch exactly when I say you eat your right, lunch right so um, it stemmed you, from him asking his boss if he could change put the store's radio on, on a funk station and the boss refused calling the station and we'll just say I'll say African American excrement but he said something much worse than that of course uh, but and he was so appalled at his boss's I'm attitude. from the south I know exactly what he right, said right but he, he was so appalled but he couldn't quit because he needed the job money. he needed yeah. the money to pay rent so he wrote this song instead to express his frustration. And this is just like we said, it's a blue collar anthem. Working on the edge, losing my self-respect for a man who presides over me. The principles of his creed, punch in, punch out, eight hours, five days, sweat, pain, and agony. On Friday, I'll get paid. This ain't no picnic. Ain't no picnic. Hey, mister, don't look down on me for what I believe. I got my bills and my rent. I should be content, but our land isn't free, so I'll work my youth away in the place of a machine. I refuse to be a slave. This ain't no picnic. And it's it's an incredible and like this song is one where it's like you just it's just so fantastic. You get uh, you get goosebumps. I get goosebumps it is, just now reading song. it because it's yeah. like you don't you want you don't want to be a slave, don't want, but you have to. You do you gotta, what you have to do the, the machine, and you resign man. yourself to this ain't no picnic. It's <laughs> and you, it's it's it is a hippie kind of sentiment. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's going on. Right, right. But it's also a socialist and a left wing, yeah. you know, sentiment. Um, well, they were, and they're, they're, Charlie they're, Pickett again. <laughs> their joke about the Minutemen or about Minutemen was that um, that actually the group they're named after the Minutemen were a re, uh, were a right wing group. So oh, they were right. taking yeah, the yeah. piss by calling themselves Minutemen because yeah. their songs are short, but also Minutemen. So Minutemen came up. Remember when the people were going down the border? We're going to guard the border, and yes, that right, was one of the exactly. that's one of the yeah, groups that's, that's right. been reconstituted, like you know, dried shit that you pour piss on to reconstitute and go down to the border. <laughs> that's a good that's a good analogy. Yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, so now we get to a, another uh, Watt song spillage. 
And uh, oh, it's a great song. It's great, and I love he collapses the fourth wall in the lyrics here because he's doing a running commentary on the process of his writing. Because he says, <laughs> "Clear and dusty day in June, my stoned mind just spilled that line." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's telling you he just stoned. Smoke some weed. So he's yeah. t- he already told you he's stoned writing this song. Describing what's it like? Describing believe that the sum is yes. <laughs> and he says, now looking around at all my comrades, my police state mind just spilled that line. <laughs> yeah, I want to give names to our bonds. I need names to play the game. Oh, and then the last line, um, the last, the last, you know, verse. Um, but what makes it's sung very sweetly? But yeah, what, what makes, makes my, my heart run? run? Why the thunder in my thighs? My body, my mind. The idea of my life seems like a symbol. And then it kicks into this kick-ass guitar part right at the end that just um, dramatically closes the song. Uh, It's a great song. It's a great song. And And also... crashing chords. And also, uh, it's a nod... The title is a nod to the uh, Descendants, uh, Watts said, because they had songs like My Age and uh, Tony Age and Coolidge, and so they called it Spillage. So it's uh, Spillage. A a Spillage, a nod to them. And now we have the untitled song for Latin America, which surprisingly is not Latin-sounding at all. This song isn't uh right. There is a Latin-sounding song on here, but but not not this this one. one, Right, Uh, but it's still... uh, Time, it's still a timely song and uh, political. This is more political boom. It's right about um, uh, about what we were doing in Central America, right? Um, the Western Hemisphere and all inside. We know who's murdering the innocent. They are children playing with guns. They are children playing with countries, mining harbors, creating contras. Because remember the contras? Yes. Yeah. Uh, 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 we didn't know. We're not doing anything down there. Why anyone would make that accusation is right. It's a traitor to American values. Right. You know. Um, they, the games they play, the lives they take, they bank their money in this country, they steal from the innocent, a colonial trade that's much too old, the banks, the lies, the profit, the lies, the banks, the profits, the lives, and the lies. I would call it genocide. Any other word would be a lie. So I was thinking, thematically, I feel like Watts very similar to Strummer, like a Joe, like an American Joe Strummer. Yeah, yeah, like for a, sure. As far as the themes he likes to sing about and yeah. his conviction with these, yeah, yeah. Uh, very much. You mean uh, D, D, D. Didn't I say D? You what said Watts. I, I don't know. Watts more poet. <laughs> Watts more jazz. I'm poetry. on my second cup. Yeah, I totally, totally meant uh, D. Yeah, that's cool. Hi, right, Jesus and Tequila. Maybe uh, I need some tequila. Jesus and Tequila. Susan's favorite song on that album. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. she loves Jesus and Tequila. All right, so uh, D-Boone wrote this with Joe Carducci, who was an SST label guy. Right, right. Uh, and this has some great lyrics. This song has uh, really good lyrics. And basically, it's about like how booze and religion are a panacea for uh, just a shitty existence. Yep, right? yep. I had a job. It paid me good. I could have my phone and tip the preacher too. My boss yelled, he's dead to me now. My boss kicked me out and I can't deny it. My life, Jesus and tequila. I'm satisfied and I can't deny it. Remember, Jesus and tequila. I'm satisfied and I can't deny it. Oh, so good. And I- it's got off kilter. It's got it's got an overdub guitar and they're slightly out of tune which gives it a really off kilter kind of feel right right it, it's like oh, and he's given and there's another great stanza that I just I love in this where he says you better listen to me because I'm going to tell you son don't give away your love and don't give away your sweat because a girl can't know you and a boss can't, can't forget okay. yeah oh, that's and, such a great line right there so that's so great Sue's theory is that this is like an overheard conversation um 
Oh, someone. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, someone yeah. giving me a life advice. <laughs> Ex- basically, a drunken advice given at a bar. Exactly. Right? Jesus right. and tequila, right? All right. So the song June sixteenth is an instrumental, really cool instrumental with, of course, the aforementioned drum bass grooves. Yeah, oh, all man, over yeah. this, and uh, a good guitar interplay. This, these songs, when you listen, it's just the sound of three musicians playing that are totally locked in on the same page, and it's beautiful. They're like brothers from a different mother. That's the thing. It's like uh, they, they, these guys to find each other and be a unit from in fucking San Pedro, California. Right. It's like a miracle, you know. Miracles do happen, people. Okay, so what is the uh, what's the meaning of the date, June sixteenth? Do you know? Because I because I found what June sixteenth hit, hit me. Hit All me. right, uh, it's um, Bloomsday is a commemoration uh, and celebration of the life of Irish writer James, James Joyce, Joyce, observed amu- annually in Dublin and elsewhere on the sixteenth of June, which is the day his novel uh, Ulysses takes place in nineteen oh four. And it's the date of his first outing with his wife-to-be, Nora Barnacle, and named after its protagonist, Leopold Bloom. So that's where this... So yeah, he was... Well, I was really affected by that, which, I don't know, I tried reading. I could never get into James Joyce. I couldn't... I confess. Right? I read a lot of William Burroughs, read a lot of uh, Paul Bowles. I could see why Mike Watt likes it, because when I would read it, it just wouldn't make sense to me. To want the flow of it, it, totally. Right, exactly. I think he was more, he probably wasn't trying to extract, wasn't trying to be so literal about it, and just was loving the the, the beauty of the writing. Maybe we need to smoke some weed and read Jim's Probably, we need to smoke more weed. Uh, In general, that's probably good advice. There you Um, go. All right, there's a storm in my house. And oh, this, uh, which has got a... a, a uh, and who did Boone write this with? Henry Rollins makes an appearance on yeah, this that's right, yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, and this is a different sound for them, this song. Very different sound. Uh, it's on side four, which is side chaff, right? Yeah. This is, so this is the stuff that kind of maybe is... They couldn't figure out where to yeah. put it in the well, rest the, of the album. It's got this uh, descending new wavy guitar yeah, riff. Right. That's really cool, but it doesn't sound like traditional uh, Minutemen. Minute it's yeah. a very different than traditional Minutemen. I think they played this, though, when we saw them live, so... They, they they did play it. Right. Um, um, if I could, I surely would give my life to you, so you can have two. Take me in, take me in your arms and lie, lie to, to me. me. So when we saw them in Jacksonville, in the parking lot, um, we were chatting with them before the show because there's fucking Jacksonville. There was nobody there. It was 1984 in January, and. Um, the Minutemen were, they argued a lot with each other. They were, they were, <laughs> and so D and Mike were having a, or maybe George too, they were having some sort of angry conversation because there had been some interplay with some Cuban chicks in Miami at Flynn's and they had girlfriends back home. And then apparently someone at Flynn's saw them with the Cuban girls and may have tipped off their oh, girlfriends back out. to uh, L.A. Uh-oh. And you know who Watt's girlfriend was? was was Kira, Kira bass player from Black. So it's been a long time ago. I don't want to call anybody out, but it was um, <laughs> it was what happened, you know? Uh, well, they, they toured a, a lot. Par- in a parking lot in Jacksonville in 1984. Right. They were great friends, but they toured a lot. So being in the van with the same three guys uh, all over the country, fucking, you got to you figure, fucking yeah. Fucking Firehose, they stayed with us in Tallahassee in 88, and George and um, Mike came to. They were Mike. George was sitting in the recliner in our living room, <laughs> and Mike is in, is leaning into his face, screaming at him, <laughs> and they're having this very intense argument about how Ed from Ohio is smoking too much weed. <laughs> 
and it's like a zombie, which is, was true. Right. And Can you so, imagine you smoke too much weed even for Mike Watt? Right, yeah, right. And so Ed from Ohio is like wandering around the house looking like a spectral, this ghost walking around the house. That's and hysterical. Mike and, and Mike and George, and George is like, it's not my job to make sure he doesn't smoke too much weed. He goes, yeah, and they're just having this argument that's so brotherly, so right, like right, two right. Yeah, yeah. people who are related to each other. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. The oh, other yeah. brothers I've fucking had those up. Ar- I've had those arguments with band members. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, I'm not going to name names, but I have a guess. I can guess. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, all right, so we get to Martin's story, which uh, this is... Martin uh, Tamburovich. Tamburovich, a co-founder of New Alliance Records. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And originally, he was a singer in a band, The Reactionaries. That's right. Boone, Watt, and Hurley. And then they broke up. And um, George joined another band, but then they got a gig, or they've got a recording thing, and George says, okay, I'll play with you just on these two songs. Right. And then ended up, right. <laughs> right. And that was our first album. <laughs> but I think this song could be sort of about him, because it's called Martin's Story, and it's sort of about him creating New Alliance and, and uh, sort yeah. of like creating something. Because yeah, that's sure. what it is. He says... What you making, man, takes time, a little bit, a little bit more. The effort's worth it. Feels good. Designed by me. Yep. Try and try. That's the way you want it. If you know that that, that ain't the way it always goes. A little bit, a little bit more. Right. What you making, man, <laughs> takes time. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, I hadn't thought about it being about Martin. He was, that's what I'm thinking. His story. Cat. So maybe yeah, that's yeah, like his story. He was he was the guy stuck in the van with them uh, on that tour. Oh, oh, <laughs> All right, so we get uh, song number forty. At least on this song uh, number gaming. forty, Doctor Wu, the cover, a great. Uh, so if you want to go on YouTube, the song that's actually before this is a cover of the Van Halen classic "Ain't, oh, ain't Talking About, about Love," right, right. which they do. Which they do a little more straightforward. They, like, they do. Think, it's like they, they kind of like the song. I it's think. a great. You know what? That's a great it's song. That's probably one of my favorite uh, Van Halen songs. It, you know, um, I'm, I'm not a I, first you know, first a four Van Halen records. Actually, everything with David Lee Roth, I would listen to that. Listen to it, yeah. All right, but this one, Doctor uh, Doctor Wu, Steely Dan. Steely Dan. The, the uh, they're doing it because. Because the word is that uh, George Hurley loved uh, uh, the Dan, as they called it, uh, yeah, the Dan, I'm with and him. he would I'm with force him. them to listen <laughs> on tour. He just played constantly, Steely Dan. And uh, but ah, I love it. When you think That's about it, awesome. I know, but think about the two bands. They have intricate music yes. and cool, weird lyrics. lyrics so I yes. mean, yeah, come on. And, that's, and uh, actually, yeah. that's the Blister Cult as well, right? Because you like yeah, try to decipher what's going on. Yes, lyrically so, especially. So uh, I don't think I think they're being a little ironic because this delivery of it is really different. It, it, it is, uh, but you almost wouldn't a, know. But it's a hard song to play. So as a tri- guitar trio. They kind of do it as a folk song, right? It's like it's got a kind of a folk song feel, and um, and Watt's singing it too. So right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. 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 But where uh, the it, Cuban it, children sleep all day. <laughs> I'm great. searching for the song you used to sing to me. Um, it's it's not it's it's tongue in cheek, but not mocking. No, it's so, not my, right. uh, That's what I was going to say. It isn't too ironic or anything. No. It's them. And if you didn't know anything about Steely Dan, never heard it, you would think it would no, say, a oh, it's song. a Minutemen song. Just got a lot of lyrics in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so The the World According to Nouns. This is another uh, Mike Watt song. And this is, uh, is kind of jammy and uh, meandering, but once the lyrics kick in, you could tell you could tell he was very stoned when he spoke. Oh yeah, lyrics, yeah, right. Yeah, the state. All right, go ahead. What's the, the lyrics? state? The church, the plans, the waste, the dead, the mind, the cut. What's the verb behind it all? What is the verb behind it all? <laughs> the do, the how, the why, the where, the when, the what. Can these words refine that truth? What's thinking about some word? What is the verb behind it all? Figure it out. 
about. Yeah, I don't know, but that's sort of like a lot of I think is writing. It's like, can these words, you know, yeah. uh, can you extract the truth from these words? From that our, writing? Our, our, and that, can and that's do the words fun speak the truth? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I always and, learn stuff when we do this. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. But I also forget. Hopefully, as, as we get older, we hopefully what other really. people learn from it is not. Man, Robin Barry, they need to shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> or hang it up. All right, we get a lovely little. We're almost at the end here, and we have a lovely, funky, cool Minutemen instrumental called "Love, Love Dance. Dance." That's right, which has some rare overdubbed guitar parts in yeah, this yeah, one, yeah. some dual guitar. Which is yeah. when you and hear it, and it it's got the, out. It's got the um, sort of South American feel that the other song <laughs> doesn't yeah, have. Doesn't have at all. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, Love Dance. And, yeah, um, it's really cool. And then that's it. You got three car jam right at the end, and the road right. trip. It's basically just the road trips over. You hear the cars you again. Hear the cars and that's that every side on the album so you rep if you go to the, what i said on youtube the guy just do for you know, or have album. the record or actually have the, have the album the there's album. people that are really cool and have vinyl and yeah, stuff yeah, turntables yeah. i'm not one of those people um because <laughs> i ain't got space i ain't got time for that shit nah, i'm too nah, impatient nah. and uh i never took care of my records they always we'll leave that to the millenn- we'll leave it to you millennials to yeah all the money we did that already, right? We've been through that already. Oh my god! I've been in the used record store, taking your shit to the used record store, and selling, yes! getting some other record. Yeah. What do you mean you don't want my Duran Duran? Record? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's in. It's. It's. There's some scratches. I know. I know. Well, once again, uh, so we did it, man. Uh, originally, when we were first talking about doing this, we mentioned like probably one of the first records we mentioned was this, and we we're going, oh, we uh, can't do it. There's so, too many it's songs. It's like a monolith. It's like Kubrick. It's like them. It's like them. Approaching the in uh, 2001, the black obelisk on the moon. Yes. It's just. But we did it, and it's funny when we did uh, Wire. Pink, I said, "Oh my God, this Pink is what was that? Like tough. 20? It yeah. was like half the half the amount of songs. Half the amount of songs. So look but at this, look at you know, we I'll just it. reiterate that um, this album is one of the is a possibly the pinnacle of American alternative rock in the 1980s. Uh, I can't imagine yeah. a, something you could pick that would be better, or maybe not influential. I mean, who? Who who sounds like the Minutemen? Fucking nobody sounds like the Minutemen. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and you go okay, funky stuff. Oh well, Red Hot Chili Peppers. They oh play Jesus! Funky. But, <laughs> the, and the, you know, Flea is in the um, We Jam Econo documentary, but they don't sound like this at all. No, no. The, no. Their their take on it was singular and they're unique. In, they're in and of themselves. The Minutemen always were. You yep. could always had they always had things influenced from different things that you right. could pick here and there. But at the end of the day, they like were the Minutemen. closest thing that ever sounded to them was was basically was Saccharine Trust, which is a lot more jagged and angular, and is is actually some of it's really great too. But it doesn't have um, whatever it was that comrade that brotherhood thing that these guys put together that just. Right. Uh, and so watch the documentary. It's on YouTube. You can see it for free. We Jam Econo. We jam it's, oh, it's so poignant. It's so beautiful. All right. So this episode is hitting. When it hits, I will be in, hopefully, I will be in England. You're going to be London. in England. I'm Let's leaving in a couple hours. Me and my daughter, Corey, are flying out to England. And One uh, of several planes they might get on. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll get there. Hopefully, we'll get there, and I'll uh, have some pictures. Maybe I'll post some pictures on that the, would be a great, uh, on the, great thing. that record company high and, Facebook uh, page. But next, what do we got next week, Barry? When I come back, we got something great we're doing next week. Oh, uh, well, yes. We've had a great discussion about this. This is um, my old friend, one of my oldest friends. Yeah, he's he's 87. (laughs) He's not that old. He's in his 60s. Um, MC Caustic, Mike Caustic. He originally had a... um, He was formed something called the Velvet Underground Appreciation Society with a guy named Phil Milstein in uh, Massachusetts, where they are from. 
and he saw the original Velvets uh, twice. Uh, and he's, he's, he's the author of the Velvet Underground Handbook, Yes, which is available on Amazon. Oh, it's actually really expensive on Amazon. I think it's probably out Whatever. of print, so you it's know, expensive. Exactly. But Mike, um, what was a huge influence on me, and uh, he's a great guy. He's very funny, and he knows uh, he knows his shit. So, so gonna he's going to talk about, about uh, Velvet Underground and Nico, the Banana album, um, with him. And it's going to be a really interesting conversation, I guarantee you. I'm looking forward to it. That was a, this was a record that I first when I first heard it, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand a, what was going on. It's, and it's, it's become it's one of my favorite, But it's become one of my all-time favorite. So you know how I call out reasons. I call out Woody in our, our promo for working as a uh, security guard at a mental institution. I don't yes. know if you even listened to it, but no, we, I do. <laughs> Is this tomorrow? Yeah, because he told us that story in the <laughs> Susie and the Banshees episode. Right. He told us that story. Yes, Mike Costick worked as a nine one one dispatcher for many many years and oh, he would come nice. home with some stories it would we be have like, to get at least one good uh, one story from yeah him just on and if it's uh, there's more than one okay but we have to get at least one good one <laughs> so right, you're so going to england Let's, everybody send good wishes to rob on his trip to england yeah when you're hearing this i'll be there and then next week we got the velvet underground so once again that is mr barry stock that is mr rob elba and god willing we'll see you next week that record got me high we're out Six Vera had a golden nose, hobnail boots wrapped around her toes. When she turned blue, an angel screamed, "It knows it can make a scene." Run, 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 take a dagger too. Run, 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 James the Deathly Duke. Tell you what to do.